podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. SBK Edge Rush drops every week with me and Propo demonstrating, well, why there is such a gulf, quite frankly, even in NFL terms between Generation X and Gen Z. We get you set on the sharp side of the week's action with our favourite looks, tips and steers. Yep, there are Propo's prop bets. Of course, there's our SBK Edge Rush Acker and naturally the most important battle of all, me and all going head to head with our Drew Locks of the week. So if you haven't already, check out me, Propo, and occasionally Coco and Pebbles over on SBK Edge Rush. And no, Propo still hasn't watched The Wire. Hey, hey, welcome to the Nat Coombe Show. Good to have you with us, gang. We are rolling through this season, aren't we? Week 14. How have we got here? But there's still a lot of football left to play and we are all across it. Making his show debut, his season debut, show debut, first appearance. You get the drift. A lot of you will know him already from his appearances on the Channel 5 NFL show Endzone. You will know him from his National Vintage League goodness. He is the proprietor, the founder, the driving force behind NBL. And if you haven't heard about NBL, you're in for a treat. Stay tuned. Some stocking filler ideas coming your way, let me tell you. The brilliant Chris Milner, Washington fan, comedian, entrepreneur, an all-round good guy. Let's go. Chris, welcome to the show, man. Thanks for having me, man. It's been a while. Peter, we've been planning this for a while, kind of, haven't we? <laughs> I mean, years. years, technically. Years is true. Well, uh, for, I've been remiss because I still haven't got over to your warehouse. We call it a warehouse. It's a warehouse, isn't it? I've got that right. It's, it's a warehouse. warehouse. Uh, I mean, uh, yeah, a den of treasure trove. And yeah, treasure trove, if you want. Well, let's look. I'm sure a lot of our listeners will know who you are, of course, because of your star turns on Channel 5 with the great Ash. Uh, but for those who don't, and maybe those who haven't necessarily joined the dots with you and, and National Vintage League, which of course you are the founder, proprietor, guru of, give us the elevator pitch. That's all about you uh, and indeed all the different things you're into. Well, I mean, it, your viewers will know me if they're under the age of 18, because that is the <laughs> huge demographic that we hold at NFL End Zone on after SpongeBob. Can't go wrong. Oh, I mean, like, and, a tough and, act to follow, SpongeBob, obviously. It is. We fail every <laughs> yeah. week. Um, but yeah, National Vintage League, as you said, like the, the show is filmed there. Uh, we've done that now for this is the third season. They've been filming the show with uh, with us from, from National Vintage League. They, we actually did it today, every Wednesday. They, oh, nice. they come down and, uh, and bring a little crew down and set it up on our table over there. Um, and it's great for me uh, because it's very little effort. Um, mm. And yeah, and then outside of that day, it's selling vintage. Um, so how do you get into, we'll talk about the TV in a minute, but getting into selling vintage, because that came first. So yes, uh, let's go right back to the beginning. Okay. When did the NFL first come on your radar? First came on my radar in the 90s uh, as a 10-year-old child when I couldn't sleep and my dad used to watch it on Channel 4 and mm -hmm. used to go down and watch it with him. Uh, don't have a lot of memories of that, but do have memories of it. Cut to 2010 when I moved to Washington, D.C., uh, which is where I lived for seven years. Um, he reminded me of the fact that we used to watch NFL and reminded me that Washington at the time were very good. And he was like, you know, go and support your hometown team. And I was like, okay. 
And then the first friend I made was a huge Washington fan, um, still good friends, still in fantasy league together. And he was like, yeah, you need to support Washington, man. And I was like, okay, cool. Was it Dan Snyder? <laughs> That's amazing. Same height. What, what, um, what um, but yeah, they 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 cursed me to years of um oh god. Sadness. I mean that is quite a tough call. I I mean I get it. It's, look, let's look on let's 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 skate over the negatives. A lot of positives. I mean, it's, a, it's a franchise with a great history, of course. Uh there's no doubt about that. And it's also, I guess, uh I think a fair and solid pick when you're coming to uh, a sport and effectively selecting who am I going to go for at that in that era you could have easily gone oh Patriots Seahawks were starting to hot up you know go. Oh, he said don't pick the Patriots he was right. like he goes the Patriots are the Manchester United right of the NFL don't pick the team that everyone wants to follow um and so I did the opposite and supported <laughs> the punching bag of the NFL <laughs> um and yeah I mean but here's the thing when I got there you know, yeah, I had to suffer through a, a season and a bit of, of terrible play. But then we got RG3 and I was there for the ah, RG3 yeah. draft. I was there for that year. That and it was a brilliant rookie uh, year, yeah. Yeah, never felt a, a, a feeling like it really until recently, actually, with, with Taylor and the resurgence yeah. of... Oh, Taylor Heineken. We love Taylor Heineken. On this show, as you won the RG3, though, the one that got away really, wasn't he? I mean, think about the, how great he could have been and... Uh, I always think of Marcus Dupree. Have you seen that 30 for 30, Marcus Dupree, which I think it's called The Greatest That Never Was. And he was, I mean, hence the title, this extraordinary running back who would have been, no doubt about it, a lock for Canton, unbelievable career. And he got Didn't he injured. break his leg in the final yeah. game? Yeah, he broke his leg in the in the senior bowl or something like that. And it? he had really shady advice and you know all the kind of all that fell into all kinds of traps and the wrong people advising the wrong things but he still managed to make it to the nfl had a had a cup of coffee as they say which is in itself was was quite beautifully poetic rg3 there's similarities there i guess you know that he had this explosive rookie season and then uh, of course injuries played their part and, and, and never really fulfilled that uh, unbelievable potential but yet yeah, was a brilliant college player and of course lit up the nfl for a little bit anyway so washington's your team i get that so you're rolling in the states now this way the comedy comes in right so you're uh we should right. explain to listeners as well that there are uh, we've talked about this quite a lot over the yeah, years we both have there. pasts there are <laughs> very eerie parallels same school yeah. st- stand-up comedy tv yep. Uh, NFL right over the shield, right over us all. So Love comedy shows with Fraser Crane in them. Oh uh, boy! Oh, R.I.P. Kirsty. Kirsty Alley. Shout out! Yeah. To, I mean, it really that was. I I put that out. Uh, I think on Twitter, the uh, the razor glass tweet to to, to the great Kirsty Alley, and I know that politically maybe not aligned, and hey, who cares when you're that remarkable a comic actress? Her timing was brilliant. Yeah. Cheers! I, I know a lot of our listeners will. Uh, uh, the same vintage as, uh, as as me, certainly, and you, I think, probably caught the tail end of it. That was a seminal show, and that was just warm glow, Friday night warm glow. Yeah. And we loved the great, the, the golden era of US sitcoms. That really was. was. The beginning, it really the was. beginning, yeah, the sort of middle of that period was was amazing. You um, had, on the Friday night, I remember, you had Roseanne, which I was okay with. It wasn't, I wouldn't say it was right. my favourite, but it was okay with it. But then you had Cheers, and of course, Frasier. I think at one stage, yeah, they would run reruns of Cheers and then drop Frasier, if I remember rightly, as well. So, I mean, incredible stuff. So, so you, you had the comedy bug. and So you did stand up over in the States. Yeah, I learned there. Um, mm. It was, um, it was something that I did. I started doing, you know, just a sort of a creative way to pass the time initially. Um, 
because I think, and, and I never would have done it in the UK because I think I've, you know, I think with startup comedy, I always said it's a great combination of arrogance and insecurity. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, because you really want to, you know, be, be validated for what you're, what you're saying, but you know, you need the validation as well. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I don't think I would have done it in the UK because I would have been too afraid that maybe childhood bullies or people <laughs> that I knew would be in the audience, but stick mm. me 8,000 miles away. And there's you're no fine. chance that I'm going to run into my family members. <laughs> uh, I was like, yeah, let's do this. Um, and yeah, ended up doing it for seven years and, uh, had a great time. Did you tour um, across the states with it? Because you, do you, do you, East with, Coast, so you know, oh, I would get, I'd be able to do shows up in New York. Mm. Um, you know, I did the Midwest quite a lot. Um, mm. Go bananas in in Ohio. I used to do quite a lot. But DC, you know, DC Improv is a seminal club. You know, Jerry yeah. Seinfeld filmed, you know, his special there. Dave Chappelle collected his Mark Twain Award there. You know, and it's mm. it was it was a great club to call to call home. And luckily, when I was there, the scene was um, having its sort of like renaissance. Um, mm. from you know because obviously there's a lot of history coming out of dc but it was never seen as one of those you know peak comedy cities chicago um, new york la it wasn't yeah it wasn't exactly this, yeah this. yeah exactly uh, but so, now that's sort of changing that yeah well, i'm saying it's entirely down to me but you know I was it there. sounds like you are i mean it sounds like you're saying that <laughs> <laughs> which is fair enough the the influences on your career as a stand-up, who would you say, who do you go to? Who's on your stand-up Mount Rushmore? Uh, well, it's interesting when you say stand up Mount Rushmore, you know, you would want to think American comics, but I think Stuart Lee gets to gets to sit up there. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and he definitely is a style that isn't typical to US comedy. You know, I think it's very mm. much a, a more sort of a British style. Very um, much. And a very individual style as well. I remember yeah, of course. Um, I had the same uh, agent as him for a while. And oh, really? I remember as a, a as a fledgling comic on the pro circuit. So you you know you will will know all about this, the battle when you're an open micro and you're starting out to get signed and there are very few spots and it's kind of like the draft, <laughs> I guess, you know. It is, yeah. You're putting tape together every weekend, you know. You like, <laughs> and it, it, Actually, that's probably quite a good analogy I'd never really thought of before. But I was essentially, if you think of all the draft nicks and all the hype and the mock boards, I wasn't on any first round board anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Rod Gilbert and Greg Davies were on the first yeah, round yeah. boards everywhere. But summer, I was like that pick. I was... You're Mr. Irrelevant. This, <laughs> I was definitely Mr. Irrelevant. Yeah. 262, Nat Coombs, selected you know by you know Go Bananas Comedy. Oh. Who? You know what I'd like to? I'd like to, because we love a Mike Mayock reference on the, here. And uh, I don't know if you, you remember, uh, if you listened to this show, Chris, a few weeks back, but we actually saw each other when this happened, that Propo told the story when we were doing a, a, one of the London broadcasts recently, and we were wrapping up the talk sports show, the live coverage, and I was making a point about the haphazard Raiders drafts of recent years and Mike oh. Mayock in the firing line for that. Now, bearing in mind, as our listeners will know, I am team Mayock. I am a Mayock apologist. I wasn't <laughs> knocking Mayock. Mayock, hear the nuance of my argument and was yeah. standing right behind me. Of course he was. Of course, yeah. Mike Mayock was right there. So anyway, Mike Mayock criticized for us. Why have they exactly quite, why I was a pick that what ended up being a first round, like where the hell did he come from? And this story get, get back to Stuart Lee. And I mentioned it because, so the agent that signed me, they're essentially these, at the time anyway, three big agents, right? And they would maybe sign five acts a year. And I somehow squeaked in like, and defied the draft mix. So I was on the books of, the, of this agent and 
one of the big things that they did, uh, as all these agents do, was a, an Edinburgh showcase where they they run a night every night in Edinburgh, which is populated, unsurprisingly, with a lot of their talent, their clients, and then and then other 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 great names. And so all of their young gun new signings get thrust into this, get this good gig, which is great on the one hand, great exposure, great profile. The flip side of that, you're on the bill with Stuart Lee and, mm, <laughs> and yeah. incredible comics. And I remember just watching him in action. Now, I wasn't a particularly big fan of his TV stuff. The stuff I used the... to watch Fist of Fun, actually. With yeah, him that's and Richard the, Herring, him and Richard like, Back in the day, like, that was the show I used Richard, to Richard, not Judy. That was another, the kind of same era, right? Um, yeah. That was there was two shows that when I was a, 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 like a twelve year old I would stay up secretly to watch. Mm. One was Fist of Fun. The second was Euro Trash. Euro Trash <laughs> is great. I love, I love the bit of Euro Trash. So he was, uh, yeah, me didn't you know? Horses for courses, right? I was, I was more of a of a Chris Morris Coogan kind of guy at the time, and you know, fair enough. I mean, but Ross I and Alan Partridge oh, are still like some of the seminar. best British comedy that's ever been produced. No doubt. And you are allowed to like both, by the way, making it sound like, you know, oh yeah, hundred percent. It's like saying, I like Blur, not Oasis. But anyway, Lee, uh, just a, a remarkable live performer. And you're yeah. right, his style, so distinctive, so original, This the cadence and the, rhythm that he has to his set is uh extraordinary so yeah i can completely understand he's on there who else have you got i mean i think that um for me i'm not gonna say dave Chappelle, and i'm gonna say tony woods who dave mm-hmm. Chappelle actually credited his style coming from um and he was a he was a big like an og guy in dc but it's still there. He was almost the one that was never discovered. It was him, Martin mm-hmm. Lawrence, and, and, and Dave Chappelle ah, at the interesting. time. Yeah, yeah. The three, you know, and Wanda Sykes. All of those guys were coming out of DC at the same time. And Tony never took off, but still to this day, can destroy any club, any mm-hmm. venue, any time, follow anyone, and he will <laughs> leave the place on the floor. And I've never seen anyone that could do that consistently apart from him so he would definitely get on there you know Um, those guys are interesting aren't they and not just specific to stand-up but you see it in music of course certainly in acting that are that are pros pros comics comics actors actors there you go the comics comics your favorite dj's favorite dj that kind of yeah yeah and it we know that in this game luck plays a huge part in it uh you know uh, and it's not solely based on that obviously but it is a big part of it timing and all kinds of factors and also not least this suggestion that like, if you are just a circuit comic or I said, there we go i even dropped the just to <laughs> emphasize my argument if you're a circuit comic there is a sense that well you've got to go on and you got to get a tv show you got to become a presenter mm. you got to be mm. a movie star mm. and uh, you don't have to, and you might not well, want to. Also, also, there's a false equivalency that agents and and like Hollywood put on being funny with being able to do other things. And I was talking mm-hmm. to Rory Scovel about it, and he was like, you know, they're like, oh right, so you're funny, so you can do stand up, so write a screenplay for a film, or <laughs> yeah, you know, sure. act in a film. It's like, well, you might as well ask me to play a bloody violin. You know, what I yeah. mean, it's like I don't have any experience <laughs> doing that. Like, yeah, why know, would that like exactly going up to a fantastic guitar player and going, here's a recorded, smash, smash it out. It's like, well, no, it's not. <laughs> Different games, you know. Um, totally, totally. Who else is on the? Are we going Mount um, Rushmore? I think we've already gone too far. Yeah, I think we've got two. I think I love the fact you're like, yeah, we'll just knock out a bit of an NFL thing. Yeah, we're just mm. talking about Mush- Mount Rushmore. <laughs> Mount Rushmore. Get used to the show. Um, speaking of circuit comics, I would mm. say David Tell. 
Um, yes, David Tell, sure. You know, yeah, yeah, people yeah. forget about David Tell, but the guy's like a relentless club mm-hmm. comedian mm-hmm. Um, and f- never fails to slay. And then I guess the last one would probably be Bill Burr. Mm-hmm. You know, I think he's managed to also stay completely on brand throughout his entire career. He's never been hit with any controversies, despite how controversially he might be, you know, his material might be considered. He toes the line very well. You know, he's not getting hit with Louis CK style scandals or, you know, um, Dave, uh, Dave, Dave Chappelle style scandals, you know, Mike just... Carlson style scandal. <laughs> I mean, let's not even talk about Mike Carlson. We were, talk- we were discussing the other day on the show that if Carlson and Antonio Brown had their own podcast, <laughs> Who would get cancelled first? I think was, was the first question we worked out. Uh, and how long would the show last before it was yanked? One episode is the answer. And I think Antonio Brown just squeaked ahead of Carlson, but it was close. <laughs> I love it. We also actually, speaking of Carlson, and we will definitely talk some football. I was going to say, should probably talk about yeah. the NFL. Yeah, yeah, we'll get to it. I'll all time code at the note. So uh, for our listeners that don't want to hear that, they could fast forward to it. We got a really, really fun message. Where is it? Let me dig it up. Uh, from James Button. There we go. Yeah, of course it was. Now, James, Chris, engaged, uh, got engaged, I should say, proposed to Courtney. They're both uh, NFL fans. He's a Bengals fan. Yeah. And Courtney's a Steelers fan. And so we shouted them out on the show the other week and Ollie proposed, suggested that we should get Carlson ordained so he could, uh, he could marry him. Sure. And Carlson's open to that idea. Apparently I did. We did, we did um, run it by him and he said, why not? How much? (laughs) I think is what he said. So James, if you're listening, it could be on. And now you need to see how serious you are about having Carlson, uh, having Carlson, Oversee your wedding. wedding. Officiate is the word I was looking Yeah. Officiate. Officiate a divisional rivalry wedding. <laughs> where God. it's like you don't even need to ask, are you the bride or groom? Because they're dressed either in full Bengals gear or full Steelers gear. Amazing. I think you should go as Troy Polamalu to the wedding. Right. <laughs> yeah. We will talk football. I, I Just before we do, the last chapter of your story today is, of course, MVL. I'm dying. <laughs> no, no, you're fine. You're fine. <laughs> just, it's the first part of the book. Last chapter of the first part of the book. It's fine. Uh, it's MVL and it is an, an extraordinary thing. You, how did it all start? And well, actually, before I even ask, ask that, the listeners who haven't come across it, the clue's probably in the title. What, what is it? Uh, explain it. All right. So NVL stands for National Vintage League, which is a play on National Football League. Uh, I don't know if you saw it there. <laughs> um, it basically started five years ago as a, as a way t- for UK fans to. Um, be able to buy jerseys with confidence because there were loads there still are loads and loads and loads of fakes out there huge industry and you know most people don't really know what they're looking at or what they're buying and if you're going to spend 100 or 150 200 quid on a jersey you might want to know whether it's authentic or not so um it it started as just as that and then it kind of blew up during lockdown i Mm. guess because people had a lot of free time on their hands and a lot of government money um, and then we kind of grew pretty spectacularly because another couple of building, uh, sorry, companies that were in our unit didn't make it through lockdown. And so mm. we kind of spread into their units and, and now we have multiple units in this warehouse. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's kind of gone from strength to th- strength. The, the last, this most recent season, it's been crazy, um, because mm. of the amount of exposure we've been getting NFL UK have been really kindly, you know, allowing us, um, 
into the castle to dress the players when they come over and do content stuff with them. So that was, you know, insane access that that we, we never would have dreamed possible. And is it all vintage? Would you do you have some new stuff as well? Or- well, I mean, vintage is anything in theory that's over twenty years old. Um, yeah, you know, so in theory now two thousand two is vintage. Um, mm. But you know, in general, yeah, we try and get stuff from the eighties and nineties um mainly 90s but you know 2000s as well it's it's more secondhand clothing thrift yeah trying to keep stuff out of landfill it doesn't have to be necess- mm. necessarily from 1975 mm-hmm. but as long as you know we can give it another life you know and connect it back with a fan that wants it because so many all of these items are different have different significance for different people most mm. of them mean nothing to most people mm-hmm. but to some people something like i don't know like that ah now this wow that is an astros uh oilers uh, Oilers, sorry houston astros houston oilers jersey from the 80s i'm guessing well no that would be a apex one jacket this is me me being nerdy now apex Mm. one jacket apex one was a company that started in 1989 and went Mm. bust in 1996 um the oilers moved in 1996 so it would have been probably between 90 to to 94 that jacket um yeah and i mean where do you find where do you find it all oh everywhere and Mm. and nowhere i'm never telling people (laughs) but yeah honestly i've got I just bought something off a, a random girl online that didn't know what she had um, and was like, you know, nice, cool festival jumper. And it's like, oh, that's mm. a 1991 Super Bowl 25 jumper. Yes, yeah. I'll have that for eight quid. Thank you. Right. Becky seven. Um, so eBay is a big, a big marketplace, I'm guessing. Well, people- eBay, then there's other reselling apps. But then mm. I've also got guys like wholesalers. Like I've got a guy up north who says... I've got 11 tons of vintage coming next week. Um, let me sort through it. And then you can have first pick. So ah. people like that will call me and I'll go up and I'll pay straight off the boat to have the first pick of, of stuff. And, you know, it's, it's literally, and you never stop looking like you yeah. can't because is it quite addictive in life selling or buying? Yeah, One of those. I'm either worried about selling or I'm worried about buying. That's it. It, it, it must be quite addictive. And is oh, it- yeah, it's great. This is what I do for fun. So like, mm-hmm. even if I'm off, I would do this anyway. Yeah. So it's great that you make it part of what my job is. So I'll sit around on my phone, scrolling through clothes apps. I'm like, this is what people do on their break. And I've got to do it as my actual job. This is pretty good. And can you put requests in? So if I said, so what are my favorite players when I was a you kid? You could put requests in now. Oh, we stopped doing general mate. requests. Logistically, <laughs> okay. it was a oh. nightmare. And yeah. then most of the time, you would actually go to the effort of finding whatever the person wanted, obscure, random thing. <laughs> and then you say, I found it. It'll be this much money. And then you know that scene in The Simpsons where Homer just goes into the hedge? <laughs> yeah. That's what it is. That's what happens. So I uh, give up. The I'm not finding people. There, the that's just not what fair. do you need? Who's the player you want? What's the one I, the braille would, that you're looking for? Uh, you know, I, I, there, there are two I kind of coin flip. But when I was, actually, you know, the, the kind of three names as a kid that I... When I first fell in love with again, the first era of the Dolphins that are all quite random, because of course it was the Marina, the Marx Brothers, mm-hmm. you know, but there was John Offerdahl, the linebacker. Hey, Offerdahl's bagels. We had a jersey. Offerdahl, there you go. Um, Reggie, you know, Roden. he had a bagel place when I he never knew he had a bagel, but I'm gutted that I haven't been to Offerdahl's bagels. Yeah, yet. does he still have the? Is it still rolling? Offerdahl? I think so. I mean, yeah, I hope so. I hope so. Reggie Roby, the great Reggie Roby. Um, right, yeah. Punter for the Miami Dolphins. Not many will remember Reggie. Well, actually, that's no. I think I think Dolphins. Uh, he was also um, the. Uh, he also played for Washington. Um, 
Reggie Roby did, did he? Yeah. Ooh, Played okay. equal number one for Washington. Mm. That you know, you're a team Roby. That was a great, a, an amazing deep dive. I love that. Have a, just if you got your phone out, I just double I'm getting check out. Yeah, that. I'm getting Reggie Roby, if you were number <laughs> one for Washington, that would be Let's such a have a look because he was number four for Miami, if I remember right. Yeah, there he is, four for Miami. So let's see, Reggie Roby. Maybe someone else had number four. So Reggie Roby, Washington. He was Reggie Roby. Yes, he was, Chris. Yes, he was. There's Reggie Roby, number one. Reggie Roby could punt the ball. And we love a bit of punting news on the show. Uh, whole oh, I love a bit of punting news. Do you want to know my favorite punt fact? Tell me. Tell me. Do you know who scored the first ever two-point conversion? Ooh. Ooh. For the Cleveland Browns, Tommy Tooper. The Tommy Who Tupa. became famous with the Jets, coming in in relief and then throwing as their third-string backup quarterback for like two touchdowns and 200 yards against the Patriots. Tommy Tooper. Amazing. It's, that was so those two. Yep. And then talking about a cup of coffee, the other player that I would say this this would be a real this is a real test to see if you get hold of a Sammy Smith Miami Dolphins jersey. Now, Sammy Smith, I would expect you to know he was a first round pick, top 10 pick uh, in, I want to say, nine, some early 90s. I might, I think, or maybe even like the 89, 90, yeah, 89 or 90 is my, is my guess is kind of working out when I were, you know, from me. First round pick. Oh, he's a running back. We're rubbish. Here's a great new player. Sammy Smith did live up to the hype. And I think bounced out the NFL after a couple of years. Always fascinated me that that's what to do. Mm, it? it happens. It happens. And speaking of first round picks, mm. leads us straight into the big NFL. news. It does. Let's talk Baker Mayfield first. Previous oh. first round pick, 2018. Yeah. And the Rams pick him up off that. Well, first of you, so how surprised were you that the 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 um, Panthers dealt him, just chucked him away. Given I mean, the fact they paid, you know, a reasonable I, bounty for him. Here's the thing. I feel really sorry for Baker Mayfield. And, you know, <laughs> the reason why is he didn't get a lot of love in Cleveland, but you forget that when he came in, he gave them their best record. I think that they'd had since like 2007, he won them their first player, the first playoff game since 1994. And mm. like he did more for that franchise than had been done by any quarterback that came in before and i think sure you know the way that they got rid of him immediately as soon as they got the chance to succeed to sean watson mm. sucks and then he ends up on the panthers with the guy that got taken third in the same year as him <laughs> do you know what i mean and it's like what a weird dynamic that must mm. have been it's like wow we we're not on the teams that drafted us and you're already a bust ago. and so and I'm basically third, third round for first and third pick overall pick overall and yeah looking over at Donald like oh god yeah you know that could be me and of course it was I was surprised about how it didn't play out for him in Carolina I thought we'd be fine yeah I thought we'd be looking yeah. at Jared Goff in Detroit kind of levels right you know that's kind of where I figured Baker would be okay screw the Browns you say but I'm you know I'm a I'm not gonna be a top five quarterback in the NFL and I'm and I'm fine with that. I can be the number 24 kind of starter, have some big, high rolling shootout kind of prime, the old prime time appearance, the old playoff win. Fine. There's, there's, uh, it sounds like I'm being like patronizing or disparaging. Like not at all that. That's a really solid career. Like we can't all be, they can't all be incredible players. There has to be different levels. I, I felt Baker, 
was that was his that's his level kind of 22 you know that will turn it on and he's high risk and he's got shades of fav about him and he'll gamble too much and we kind of love that about watching him play he had did get a little bit strange towards the end of carolina though do you use the whole headbutting thing do you see that when he's yep, just yeah a bit yep. strange but maybe yep. it's the pressure and the the challenge of all this because you're, you're right you know here's a guy who all through basically his high school and college career your superstar lands in the nfl ready-made superstar first round top five pick right but you but forget as well not only has he got to deal with his own i guess fall from grace from being a heisman winner not first overall pick saving a franchise you know whatever to where he is currently mm. but also remember some of the other quarterbacks that got taken in that draft you had josh allen at seven you had lamar jackson at 32 and so these are players that he's seeing all around him light up the league that were taken after him in the same draft and they're all getting like oh these are the best things since sliced bread to happen yeah. to these franchises and he was that guy for the browns but people yeah. forget that you know and and now these other guys are taking the spotlight it sucks i mean the only person that had a worse draft from from that first round was from a bloody Josh Rosen. Rosen, I was going to say, I was just like, yeah. that's exactly what I was looking at. Like, Rosen was in that draft as well. Yeah. Do we know where Josh Rosen is? And actually, I think, no we looked idea. Him up. I think we looked him up the other day. Well, hang on, Rosen is on... Yeah, well, hang on. Let Hasn't just... he got like the Miami logo with the Cleveland background and then it says he's still like the Arizona quarterback or something ridiculous. He's got like all three teams stuff on his profile. Has he? That's Who amazing. knows what he's doing? Last seen at the, at the Browns. Uh, and they got rid of him about a month ago. I mean, that is a sorry, sorry tale. So Baker in LA, what do we feel about that? I mean, obviously Stafford's injury, Walford. Disappointing that Walford hasn't really, um, they, they do suck the season, that the, the Rams. And, you know, without without Cooper Rush, of course, that offense is slim pickings. But Cooper Cup. Cooper, Cup. Cooper Rush. I mean, <laughs> they, 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 would, they would deal yeah. for Cooper Rush right now. Probably maybe that's, maybe that's where they're going to yeah. go. Let's get as many, let's, let's acquire as many quarter, backup quarterbacks yeah. as we can. Uh, without Cooper Cup there, yeah, slim pickings. But Walford, a lot of people I know, Greg Rosenthal, the friend of the show, Greg, of course, and others, not necessarily this time around, but in the last couple of years, just chatting to them. Like, yeah, they, they like what they've got with Walford. They they think they, they can develop him. You know, he's not someone they're thinking Colt McCoy-esque, Matt Barkley-style career backup. But he's a guy that we think could could be a starter, but they're clearly not convinced at the moment. So what they could get, go in straight away, do you think? Well, yeah, I think he does go in straight away. I think they finish out the season with him. Because remember, they haven't got his option past the end of the season. So he's going to play for them for five weeks. At that point, you know, you're not going to try it. Maybe they don't, maybe they want to look after their backup and don't want to put him into a team with zero weapons where he's not going to do very well. If Baker plays well, they get a con- an extra draft pick next year as well, which is, I mm. think, what the, what they're saying. It's like, well, we've got nothing to lose. No lose, yeah. the division, at least we could scrape together, a you know, a, an extra pick next year. I think mm. that's all they're thinking. And if, if Baker does, okay, okay, but... Maybe uh, yeah. hang on to him and, you know, with Stafford's... Sure, I mean, it's not they just... loved him coming out of Oklahoma. Yeah, like, and that's an, that's an interesting thing because situation obviously is, is so essential, God, for any athlete, but for a quarterback, maybe more than any other position right and it could be that you know Gino's in Seattle style that maybe we will see the best of him with I mean, with, he, with the right fit he took Jared Goff to a Super Bowl and won one with Matt Stafford yeah you yeah know, yeah he's the quarterback whisperer in a, in a way if you want mm. to go off the back of his record I mean he was he was a great coach in in, in Washington as well you know that that, that fabled Washington backroom staff of mm. McVay 
you know, Lafleur, Kyle Shanahan. They were all about 17 years old when they're on that yeah. particular. Well, let's talk about your your Washington commanders. Firstly, let's go. Are you at peace with commanders? Are you okay with that? Left hand up, man. I'm here. Right, I'm here you're okay it. with it. Commanders. As I said, as I always said in every podcast I did, is don't like the name, but if we start winning, I'll mm. learn to love it. And yeah. Hey, that's what's <laughs> happened the last few weeks. And it's all because of Taylor Heineke. A six one and one in the last eight games are extraordinary. I would say it's kind of in spite of Taylor Heineke, but I Oh, okay. All right. Let's because I want to know. I'm more, not gonna cause... say that very much, like to the point that I would prefer Taylor Heineke to start than Baker. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I'd take I'd take Heineke over Dan Jones. Okay, fair. I would definitely do. I mean, I'm I'm a big. I mean, we weren't. I wasn't being facetious. We're big Heineke fans on this show, uh, I mean, and I yeah I I love again. It goes back to what I guess I was saying with Baker. Right. This is you know careful what you wish for unless you're going to get unless you have a fast track draft wise to taking shit. We don't even know if Trevor Lawrence is going to be that guy, but you know. Burrow, sure, of course. Other than that, well, we've just seen firsthand with the Broncos high risk to try and take an elite quarterback if you're if you're going to deal for him. There aren't that many of them anyway. So why I I, I quite like the idea of a, a mid tier quarterback, which which I think his ceiling is, and I think he's kind of maybe that's being generous, but you get my point. And investing elsewhere in in the team, and that that can work. That's the thing is the team is winning games. You know, Taylor's not putting the team on his back. You know, the defense and Brian Robinson are putting the team on their backs. You know, Taylor is being a perfectly serviceable game manager. Yes, he's going to throw a pick. You know it's coming. You've just got to resign yourself to the fact it will happen. (laughs) But at the same time, you know, he's, he's not going to get sacked as much as Carson Wentz used to. You know, he's not going to miss throws as often because the way that the team's set up now, you know, you're running first and second down and Brian Robinson's getting mm-hmm. huge amounts of yards after contact. And so if we are having up, ending up with third downs, they're third and short. And Taylor right. can make a third and short when you've got a track team like, you know, <laughs> Corin Samuel and, and, and Dotson running around. So uh, the pace, the speed, and I love. Uh, you obviously like Robinson. How good yeah. can he be? Because I've seen obviously a, a bit of him, but uh, you watch every Washington game. Where, I mean, where do you think his ceiling is? He's a, he's a steam train. And, mm. and you know, it's Brian Robinson, obviously coming out of Alabama, right? Had to wait to show his opportunity. Yeah. Right? He was behind Najee Harris. Before then, it was Josh Jacobs and Damian Harris and Bo Scarborough. So he had to wait until his, he did five years. And it was only his last year that he destroyed it and, and was, was like the best feature back. Yeah. Know, feature back. Um, He's had to wait in Washington as well, you know, because no one thought Antonio Gibson was going to get supplied. Antonio Gibson and J.D. McKissick were a perfectly serviceable one-two punch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Brian Robinson was a great pick, in my opinion, but, you know, I don't think anyone was expecting too much out of him initially. And I'm always dubious of players that only play one season in a a high-level school and then enter the draft. Mm. Uh, But... Players that don't, that stay and stay the whole time and stay the course, I always have much more faith in when they come into the league. Mm -hmm. And so even after the thing happened with the shooting, it didn't in a way hinder his progress in with regards to getting on the field because we weren't in a rush to start him anyway. We had Mm -hmm. good running backs. Um, And so now that he's finally got his chance and with all the stuff Mm -hmm. he's gone through, 
it's no different to Brian Robinson. He's here now, and he's 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 going to let you re- realize he's here. Like there is there is a, a renaissance, I guess, for the running back position, and uh, it feels like that this season in, in particular, after a number of years of, of stock falling and uh, running back by committee and the durability factor that that has. Neither of those things have mm. gone particularly, but but definitely the the durability factor. So actually, one season in college for him good thing you know not not a huge amount on the on the clock one uh, you know featured season i should say or extent extensive season but that's that's a positive i wondered do you feel if you if you think about that top tier of running backs that uh are, are clearly in a, a bubble on their own saquon tony Derek pollard henry. as opposed to zk guest yeah henry obviously i mean and that's where it started i think is with i mean if you look at that alabama chain you know you had henry coming out yeah obviously I think before that, everyone was like, oh, yeah, you can have, you know, three down backs, catching backs, a bit Mm. more of a spread offense or whatever. As soon as Henry came back in the league, it reminded everyone why teams ran the football in the first place, (laughs) you know, because you've got to use eight men to block him. If you've got, so if you've got that, and I do feel that teams will, uh, well, obviously the the Giants are are leading on them, the Titans are as well. I'd argue the Raiders, despite, Having Devonte and, and and others, well, Josh Jacobs is driving league, driving yeah. that. So, do yeah. you think Robinson can be again. in that? Can he be in that group? Do you think? Yeah, but I mean, his. Uh, I mean, yeah, I do. Um, because remember, Washington are. I've also got Alabama on the other side of the ball when it comes to stopping the run. Right, so you have got John Allen and Deron Payne, also 2018 draft, <laughs> um, mm. on the other side of the ball, and they play against each other. You know, most teams that have can stop the run can also run the ball. Mm-hmm. Because there's there's a complementary style that exists in practice, right? And that's what you're seeing with Washington now is that they've created this identity where it's like we can run the ball and you're not going to be able to run it against us, mm. and we can we can block with seven in the box against your run as well. Mm. You know how many teams can say that? Sure, sure. And so like we talk about Taylor Heineke, but you've got to add in that front that Washington front five is you know devastating. You've got Chase Young coming back next week against the giants you know just in mm. time you know to to really when when we need him the most and you got brian robinson gaining mm. three to six yard after contact on every carry easy money we're going to control the clock we're going to control yeah. the ball we're going to win the game it's not going to be easy or pretty that, and it's not going to be by multiple scores but we're going to grind it out get it done and that juxtaposition of a, a, a gaggle of teams that are built that way unreconstructed and that care can with can you know contrast to certainly the chiefs although i know their ground games changed up this season but nevertheless the those that like to air it out slice and dice and, and play the game differently that that that's quite stark and it's not saying one is stronger than the other but it's but it's start this season carlson on the show on monday said they're a playoff team what did he how did he phrase it they're uh they'll make the playoffs but they're not a playoff team is what he said implying they're going to be one and done do you think that's fair i'm not um, so sure well here's the thing i as a long-suffering Washington fan, I'm very skeptical of ever believing that we could be in any way a playoff team. Um, <laughs> and definitely I'm not going to leave myself to believe that we can win more than one game in the playoffs because I haven't seen it happen. Right. <laughs> but to be honest, I think we are a trap team. You know, I can see what he's saying in the sense that, you know, no, you're not going to at the beginning of the season or even at this point be like, oh, the Buffalo Bills are definitely going to make the playoffs because the team is so good. The Mm. Kansas City Chiefs are going to make the playoffs because they're so good. For me, jury's out on Vikings and 
dare I say, even Eagles. And but, you might even get the Vikings, right? I mean, they could quite conceivably have the two seed and that's an interesting Eagles. game. Yeah. They only beat us on that penalty on a field goal. They're frauds, the Vikings. We'll get onto this. <laughs> we will. We're going to talk. Fraud. Well, let's get let's get onto it because there are three or four games from this weekend that we want to we want to get into. And yeah, we'll we'll pick up the pace a little bit on them. Starting with two of your divisional rivals, and presumably a game that if I want Philly, another tie, I want another tie. Yeah, well, that will work well <laughs> with you, Billy. I guess they're seeing Dallas on the inside rail, but a win here should should put the division to bed, you'd think. And it's a good landing spot for them because the Giants are in a bit of a funk. They've only won one in five. Are they in danger, do you think, of, of rolling out of the playoff picture entirely? Yeah, I think they are, to be honest. If they lose to us next week, um, they're, they're in trouble because they've got yeah. to still play the Eagles twice and the Cowboys. Um, in their last few games, you know, I, and I can't see them beating them. You know what I mean? If they mm. only manage to tie against us. Um, problem is Daniel Jones hasn't got any weapons. Do you know what I mean? Apart from Saquon, you know, he has no weapons on the outside. At um, all. I mean, he's got, you know, Slayton is the only really recognizable receiver. And he's like a two slash three. It's a way that up. And I know money wires everywhere in fantasy. So it can't be that good. <laughs> money, money talks. And that's going to be instrumental, I guess, in the decision. But let's assume for a moment that it wasn't right. And base it purely on football and nothing else. Should they go forwards with Daniel Jones? Because as you've rightly said, he's got not much around him. So how much can we really evaluate? Uh, that's a good question. And I think the problem that he has is he's now, because of his lack of avail- availability to throw the ball, it, they're, they're forcing him to, to to move out of the pocket more. Um, if you see a lot of his throws, he breaks out of the pocket because mm-hmm. they can't protect him. Um, yeah, the line is, ter- is terrible. As soon as you do that, you're cutting down half of the field on your options anyway, on a very thin receiver pool as it is. Mm. Um, you know, Saquon can't do everything. Also 2018 draft. Bloody hell, this is going to be a theme. Um, you know, Saquon can't do it all on his own. But the thing is, ironically, that's what they need to do to win is run the ball more, control the clock more, you know, mm. in the same way we beat the Eagles. Um, you know, that's how you beat them is you keep them away from the ball. Yeah. Well, you know, if it, it, making it simplistic, but I, I, at the same time, I think important comparisons and you look at Jalen Hurts, Hurts coming in even to this season, there are a lot of questions around his validity, his viability as a, as actually as an NFL starter, let alone as a starter of a championship contending side. I definitely wasn't convinced. I like, I love him. I love his moxie. I love his uh, spirit. I love the fact that he clearly is an incredible athlete. I just wasn't convinced if he could put it all together. Not that I didn't think he could, but I, no, 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 but you don't need to defend your position because here's, here's the thing is when you've got players coming out of, Again, Alabama, Bama. Um, you know, that the have such depth of talent on these teams, you know, and bear in mind, he was there with Tua and Mac Jones as well. Yeah. Right? And they've got, you know, Jalen Waddle and, um, you know, Henry Ruggs and all of these, you know, rapid Jamison Williams and like best all of offensive these, line in the business. He's not know, getting touched. The, all the running backs that we just mentioned, do you know what I mean? It makes your job a lot easier as a quarterback, right? right? right. And so that's why I think Tua, everyone was skeptical about Tua when he came mm-hmm. out. Everyone was skeptical about Jalen and everyone was skeptical about Mac Jones as well, you know? Mm. And so that's the risk you run when you're playing, when you, when you're going early because you've gone to a good school and you've gone an unbeaten run, the drawback potentially is, well, 
he was surrounded by elite talent. So how's he going to do if he's not surrounded by that elite talent? And I think that's the question everyone asks when these players come. But I think Jalen Hurts is proving himself viable. I think Tua is proving himself viable. I think, you know, there, there you go. I mean, that's 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 the thing with Alabama quarterbacks. You know, the, they've always been surrounded by the best players. Mm. And, and so, yeah, the litmus test comes in and doesn't always as well that you're going to hit the ground running day one, right? And no quarterback does that. But even Josh Allen's the best example of this doesn't necessarily happen speedily. Got to give things a bit of time. On to, speaking of giving things a bit of time, Detroit and Dan Campbell, he's definitely bought himself another season the way they've been playing. I've got, I was looking at my phone as you were talking then because I've got a message from my friend Sam Tai, friend of the show, Sam Tai, journalist, broadcaster, Detroit Lions fan. Right. Sorry, uh, you and Carlson talking playoffs and skipping Dan Campbell's mighty lines again. And he wrote again in capitals, Chris, which is concerning. Uh, we will win out and scoop a playoff spot. Mm. What do we think about that? I mean, that is definitely one available option. <laughs> uh, another true. available option is they're going to lose by a very tight margin as they've been wont to do previous times this season I feel sorry for the Lions because you know again this season and last season um, their, 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 their results don't, don't reflect how close they came to winning games you know mm. I think last season there were three games where they lost on a field goal or on an overtime with something or something or other um, right. I think they're, they're putting up points they're doing it with Jared Goff right um, and it's almost like how long did Jamal Williams, how long was he in the league as one of those bit player backups before anyone started recognizing he was good? I mean, he was yeah. the backup at Green Bay and now he's what leading the league in touchdowns. 14 of them. Yeah. Uh, he's obviously got Amara as well. Uh, so yeah, a lot of buzz about them. I like, I'm glad I like Campbell. I like what he's built. I gave, we're talking unreconstructed <laughs> very much so. Against Minnesota, if you think the Vikings are, what do you call them, frauds? I think we went there. Second. Here's what I here's here's what I say about the Vikings. They they've only won two games, right, by more than one score. Mm-hmm. Right, I think it was Arizona and um, Miami. Right, that was the only two games in the whole season they've won by a margin of more than six or seven points. Yeah, and. and you know, I maybe it's PTSD from having Kirk Cousins as my quarterback all those years, but <laughs> I don't trust him to be clutch. Yeah. Um, and yeah. the sad thing is they've got the best, one of the best running backs in the game. They've got the best receiver in the game. Yeah. But if you ask any Vikings fan, do you trust Kirk Cousins? Mm. I don't think a lot of them do, like when it comes down to it. I, 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 I don't. In this, I'm biased. <laughs> in the, no, but I think I think most, most people would agree. I think Cousins is the prototype of a good but not great player and certainly not clutch based on everything he's shown us. But, and I'm not buying this, so he doesn't play in prime time. He gets phased by prime time and that's just nonsense. But I mean, it's we'll, factually correct, but yes. <laughs> we'll learn a lot this. Yeah. But it's factually correct. He doesn't deliver, but I don't think it's because he's phased by the fact that the games on national. No, team, he's just I, not very good. Exactly. Just, <laughs> like, just, just, so Detroit, Minnesota, Yes. Sounds like you're inching towards the Lions for an upset. You know what? I think, yeah, I think it could be a bit of a trap game. I think, mm. you know, I, I would I would love to see. I love seeing the Lions beat the teams in their division that have, you know, historically, you know, mm. done one over on them. Done them, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, uh, it was very nice to see Green Bay fall. Um, 
but yeah i um i say upset i think the i think the lines are uh, narrow favorites actually it's a game we're going to talk about on edge rush me and propo so we'll get into that breaking news chris as we've been recording the show von miller out for the season oh interesting ouch acl he's out for the season so what does that do for they've got the jets this weekend of course what does that do firstly for the AFC East race? Do you still think given... AFC is such a strong division. I was looking yeah. at it today. I mean, like if it wasn't for the NFC East, everyone would be talking about how well that division is doing. Mm. Um, and it's nice to see the Jets, you know, finally doing doing well. Um, mm. I, I'm not a Zach Wilson fan. Uh, I never have been. Um, I loved it when Mike White came in relief last year against the Bengals and put down four bills. Um I think that it's good that they're going to turn to him again. And like last is week, he the, is he the future though? I mean, is he okay? A, a cameo gig, a pinch hitting gig now, but do you I want mean, to base your, cause it's a good team. It's a great defense. They got a lot now, of talent. Now, you know what the overriding theme is in this podcast? Tell me. Guess who was the 171th? No. Round one, pick. <laughs> the 171. 171th. 171st. Yeah. Fifth round pick. In no. the 2018 draft, Mike White was in that Mike White to the Cowboys. Oh my god! Oh my god! It's like we've gone, we've gone in some kind of time capsule. Mike White, so it's Mike White, the future. Yeah, I mean, is he? I mean, genuine question. He, uh, going back to what I said about okay, look, you got, look, you got Mike, Heineke, you build that around. Mike White's not going to be a particularly expensive option for them. No, but at the what same are time, their options? If the Jets I mean, look well, at it and think, well, see, is they're playing their way out of getting available yeah. options anyway. That's right. the problem they've got. Is like, yes, there is. There's a decent quarterback class coming in, and yeah, I mean, they could trade up. Arizona drafted Kyler Murray the year after they took Josh Rosen with the tenth mm. overall pick. It's not unheard of to you know is Josh switch, Rosen the answer for the Jets quarterbacks exactly. quickly in the NFL. Um, you know, but Mike White's kind of like one of those people, um, kind of like Geno. You know, it's like back up, back up, back up, back up, back up. Give him the reins for a little bit. Oh, he's actually, these guys are actually pretty good. Do mm. you know what I mean? Um, and I always like seeing it when when that happens. And it always, also makes me a bit sad to think about, you know, all of those players that never got that chance or were good enough to play and, and never, never were allowed to. And that's why I think as well, it leads back to why everyone rallies behind Taylor Heineke. Because yeah. I see him, and I think a lot of Washington see, see him as, if I were put into an NFL game at quarterback, this is what I'd want to be like. You know, I'd be the guy that was on his sofa and gets thrust into the game and somehow puts together a game where the team win is, is as surprised as anyone. You know, what I mean, when we win, <laughs> like that's what we see every man playing over the weekend. You know? It's it's a quantum leap reboot, is what it is. The it's a great point you make in terms of looking at the attributes of a quarterback and the team behind him and are they buying into him? And it's something that I've talked a lot about with different players and asked them their perspective on it. So you talk to OC and, and J bell as well about Eli. And obviously they weren't in the huddle with Eli, but just how Eli carried himself. Cause on screen to us, he's quite chilled. He's quite a relaxed sort of guy how can a character like that be really come on, you know? And they said, oh, absolutely. Tough. Yeah, tough, tough. Never missed the game. Understated, calm, calm, right? Then you've got the you've got the Favre, Mayfield. The, like, do you remember that when Joe Hart was really hyped up in the tunnel against Iceland at the Euros in 2016? That kind of just over the top, let's go, let's go. 
different different stars <laughs> yeah yeah that, that, that may be a bad example that didn't work out this was the quote from from garrett Wilson. yeah you remember when matt Hasselbeck was all hyped up for that <laughs> first opportunity to win a playoff game <laughs> when jake delon was really <laughs> yeah do you remember right Tannehill last season yeah. was really really fired up for, for that this is garrett wilson now garrett wilson heavyweight heavyweight uh on mike white right this is via rich samini espn he was out there this is mike white not not rich samini he was out there controlling the huddle never letting the moment get too big it was cool to see looking back on it now it's cool to think about i go to war for that boy he's got something special about him that, I mean, is, that is a huge. very condescending way for a rookie wide receiver to talk to a four-year veteran in the league. Well, you um, say that. <laughs> Wilson's, seems someone say Wilson's been playing, it looks like he's playing for 15 years. So yeah, I didn't yeah. get it. I was like, I mean, if I was my wife, I was like, please don't call me boy again. Boy, yeah. Five years older than you, mate. <laughs> I'm, I'm 34 years old. The, <laughs> you know, there are some players though that just walk year one, rookie year, you're you've been playing 10 years. Like they're just, yeah. it, some rookies look like they're 21 year olds. They are. And others just even on hard knocks, you notice that there are some that are just straight away down with the vets. They're all fine. And others you're thinking, Oh God, that's difficult. But yeah. I think that here's, here's the thing that, that, and I'm going to draw it back as I always do to my boy Taylor. That's mm. how, that's what teams players on teams. I mean, I'm speaking like I've been on a team, never played football in my life, but People, <laughs> players want people to rally around, you know, that's why everything's going so badly in Denver is because neither the offense nor the defense can rally around Russell. Yeah, it's true. Inspiring them to do anything. Taylor yeah. Heineke is inspiring the team to mm. win. Mike White is inspiring the Jets players to play better as the fans. You remember, mm. like, I did the meme last year. You remember the meme with the guy holding the go and he looks back and there's another yeah, guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. So he did it. It's like Jets fans is the guy. Zach mm-hmm. Wilson's the girl around his mm-hmm. arm. Mike White's the girl going the other way. Right? <laughs> yeah. Nice. And I tweet, I did that meme last year. And then literally last week, I was like, oh, I'll just retweet that again. Glad <laughs> to see this has become relevant again. And that's what it is. Yeah. yeah, know, yeah. Let's go roll with Mike White. Guy's got his, he's been in the league long enough. He's earned his chance. You know, I've realized something remiss of me. We talked a lot about Kirk Cousins. I didn't mention Mike McCartney. The greatest agent in sports entertainment. Every time you mention Kirk Cousins, we have to mention Mike McCartney. I mean, the deals that man has struck. He is phenomenal. Uh, not still not returning my calls, but anyway. Last one for you before we get out of Dodge. Five pounds in the charity box. Quick fire from you. Cleveland, Cincinnati. The Bengals suddenly at that top table now. I think it's fair to say they're in that top three with after the win uh, against the Chiefs with, with Kansas City and the Bills. Break down this game for us, Chris. Give us the the Give us Chris's 30-second capsule on who's going to win and why. I hope that the Bengals are going to win um, because I think that I don't think anyone's really rooting for the Browns at the moment, considering Mm. their personnel. Um, I think everyone's going to want to want Washington to beat them, which is very rare. Um, (laughs) But Nick Chubb, still pretty good. Um, Nick Chubb's good is the only player on my fantasy team that is doing anything. By the way, can I just point out, this was my team at the beginning of the year, Mm -hmm. right? And I thought I was going to completely win. Matt Stafford, Russell Wilson, (laughs) Jerry Judy, Alan Robinson, Brees Hall. Oh, man. Michael Pittman, Darnell Mooney. It was only Nick Chubb that is still not on IR or been dropped 
Are like you that. just playing your team with empty spots and Nick Chubb? As opposed and at to this moment, I think I'm spotting Van Jefferson. It's a nightmare. <laughs> um, but I'm well out of the playoffs there. No, I think I, I prefer Cincy. I like Joe Burrow. I think, mm. you know, um, you know, I, as I say, I, I don't really like the way the Browns dealt with Baker. I don't really like the way they dealt with the Deshaun Watson thing. You know, I if I'm going to pick a working class Ohio franchise to get behind, it's going to be the Cincinnati Bengals. Mm. Um, you know, I think that it sucks for the Rams with their Super Bowl hangover, but it's nice to see that the Bengals are sort of moving away from that and sort of getting out of that um, hangover phase and actually sort of having a bit of a second wind and rallying. Yeah, it, I love I love seeing the Bengals up there. Propo certainly does as well. And uh, I would uh, love it each and every week if uh, Deshaun Watson gets it stuck to him, frankly, as I'm sure many of you out there will as well. Chris, the last 60 minutes has, has flown by. We did end up talking some football, <laughs> football in the end, but it's great to have you on the show finally. We'll be looking to do it for a while. And it's great to almost have you in the warehouse, even if it's only your face. Virtually. Well, the, I will look forward to heading down there. Um, when things are a bit calmer, uh, I'm definitely going to head out. It's going to be a, an absolute treasure. Have a look for that Offerdahl or Reggie Roby for me. Um, I will uh, I will love that if I could. Who was uh, the other one? Uh, Sammy Smith was the other one. Sammy, Sammy Smith. Smith. I did want to say Sam Smith, but I was like, wasn't that the singer? No, Sammy Smith. <laughs> Sammy Smith. Yeah. Uh, he was a terrible draft pick. Yeah. Sam Smith got drafted <laughs> as running back for the Miami Dolphins. Boy, did he entertain them at halftime. Um, if our listeners, we're going to put it, of course, in the show notes, uh, went ahead for, for National Vintage League. But uh, if you want to verbal it as well and steer yeah, them in the sure. right direction, where should they go? Please, please go to nationalvintageleague.com. Um, if you've never shopped off with us before, use the code LEGEND mm. for a discount. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, we're open in Peckham. Come down. We just bought an arcade machine. So we've got an arcade machine chipped one with 10,000 games all of the old snares atari games oh, oh amazing that's coming in you're not soon. gonna get rid of me mate when i'm, I'm down there that sounds amazing it's got metal I slug on it here. i hope it's got metal slug uh brilliant stuff look after yourself good luck with the rest of the channel five run as well you can catch uh chris and ash and the gang for saturday mornings on channel five sunday mornings sunday 10 mornings. 30, after spongebob <laughs> join after the gang. spongebob of course set your set your uh Set you, I was said VCRs. We're going, no, we're not going back to 2018, we're going back to 1991, apparently, yeah, as well. Yeah, set, exactly. uh, set, set the beta max, the beta max for that with the remote on a wire. I guess it's on catch up as well on five player or whatever they call that. Brilliant stuff, high five. high five, brilliant stuff. Look after yourself, come back and see us soon as well. Definitely, thanks for having me, man. Take care, man. Brilliant stuff from Chris. Uh, all the info you need for NVL in the show notes. Go get involved with that, go show some love. Sunday show as well each and every week uh, Ash from Ash and the NFL fame of course uh, brilliant brilliant tag team they are on that show so go get involved with that show them love we are going to be back what's next ah edge rush <laughs> yeah edge rush it's starting to get concerning now my Drew Locks but hey Coco and Pebble still not out of the bullpen yet I'm still swinging just about so to speak Propo and hey, talk about Crystal Tom as well. They are they are holding the fort, so we're all good on edge rush. Uh, that is coming soon. The Guru Sandrini back with FFS as well. Get involved with our fantasy league if you haven't. Where have you been if you haven't got involved with that? I had a good week in fantasy, I think. So I am happy with that. Making money for our charities. Uh, incidentally, I think I dropped a few five pounders in that chat. So Propo would have totted those up as well. Uh, so lots coming your way over the next couple of days. I'm Mike Show in the Vault as well. That's uh, from Monday. Vintage Carlson. He's on it. He's on fire. 
All that is left for me to say is a big thank you for listening. Uh, Big shout out to all of our new listeners who are coming along for the ride. Great to have you with us. And if any of you have got a spare minute or two, go leave a review, go spread the word, tell people about the show. Let's build the group. Look after yourself. I'm see you on Podcast Network.